A message to our listeners. If this episode raises any issues for you, please visit nrl.com slash community and search State of Mind. Or you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Woo! Come on! Broader. Game. Inclusive. United. Real. Footy. Tackling. The issues. Behind the game. Broader. Game. Transgender, denoting or relating to a person whose sense of personal identity and gender does not correspond with their birth sex. Haven't we got an episode for you today? Your ears are listening to the Broader Game podcast with Katie Brown and Alicia Newton, the podcast of professional NRL.com unprofessionals. Alicia, Origin 2 could be all over for New South Wales in Perth very soon. Well, yeah, let's not go too far there, but I'm more importantly <laughs> looking forward to uh, tomorrow's game. The women, obviously, um, kicking things off, so can't wait for that. And, uh, yeah, we've got we've got some interesting matchups over the course of the weekend, like Tonga, New Zealand, there's, you know, Fiji, Lebanon, plenty of stuff happening, so obviously no NRL, so no excuse not to get out and uh, watch some international footy. Oh, that's a nice plug there. You're an NRL employee. Good <laughs> job. Uh, we have our regular segments on this day, Fanfare, Guess Who, and our Hot Take of the Week, but let's get into the topic this week. We're going to talk about transgender um, and athletes in sport. So I think people could be cringing right now that we've even brought up this sort of topic. There'll be people who are probably thinking, you know, actually, I want to learn a bit, a little bit more about this because I don't know much. And then there's probably a small group who are celebrating the fact that we are embracing the LGBTI community. Um, let's get into our special guest today is Caroline Late, a former New South Wales Blues Origin player and two-time track national champion with plenty more accolades. Thank you so much for joining us, Caroline. Thank you, Katie and Alicia. Thanks for having me. No oh, worries. We're so in. stoked. Yeah. Um, I guess for you, you're formerly known as Kyle. You're fit, strong, alpha-looking male. You played plenty of sport. Then at 30, you finally made the decision to go through with gender confirmation surgery. Now, I find it really interesting in your blog, KZO.blog, um, that you described your sadness of being a male as being trapped in the wrong body, your cognitive wiring upstairs and the plumbing downstairs don't match and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, I think that's really brave of you personally to come out about that and be so open for people like Alicia and I who aren't in that transgender community Mm. but fully embrace it. How do you help us understand what it felt like for you to make that decision? Um, Yeah, I think I was always... um, mentally a girl so or mentally female and um it was just something that was within me but you know society tells you that you you know don't be daft you can't be that so I think for me it was I just manned up because that's what I was told by society my parents um so you just went along and um did your thing and I think that's where sport helped me because sport was great because um you can, I started playing rugby league at four. That was my first sport. And uh, Tarum Point um, Youth Club, I think it was. I think Barry Russell was a teammate. Oh, so, there you uh, go. All right. Mm. And uh, so, yeah, and uh, I think we played against DT too. So um, <laughs> A few names there. I know, I know. And uh, so, and then I did little A's and a few other sports. So that helped me. But, um, yeah, in essence, I, I think for a lot of trans people, I can't speak for everyone. But, yeah, that there's that cognitive... Um, dissonance between your brain and what your body is and you can't really equate it because 
you know, everything around you tells it, tells you that you're a little bit mad or there's something wrong with you. So you sort of tend to suppress it, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. As Katie said, like, it's such a brave um, life you've, you know, you've lived so far. And um, I guess how, how or when did you know, like, that you wanted to change your body and, and do all that sort of stuff? Like, how, when did you kind of um, decide? Yeah, for me, four years of age, I was aware. I remember sitting on a swing and thinking, you know, why do I have this body, but I don't feel this way? And just seeing girls and females, I'm thinking, oh, they're so lucky they can just be. And I think I never wanted to really be a boy. I didn't look at boys and go, geez, I wish I could be like that because I already had that. I didn't want to be that. <laughs> so I knew from a young age. But um, I think uh, as I was going along, I tried to fight it, because, as I said, because society told you a little bit something wrong with you or daft. And my parents sort of... I did ask my parents questions. Like I remember asking my, my dad. He, he, I'd say to him, well... Um, I feel, you know, why can't I be pretty? I feel like I'm a girl. And then, you know, there's that sugar and spice and puppy dogs' tails and all that they used to say. And I really, that really offended me because I didn't feel like I was puppy dog tails and all horrible, you know. Like, so <laughs> I'm glad that one disappeared. So, <laughs> you know, so, but I think what happened is as I got older um, and my mother, um, I remember one day saying to my mother, she caught me dressing up in her clothes, uh, <laughs> going through her cupboards and this and that. And, you know, she knew one of her kids was stealing her makeup, her clothes, her high heels, this and that. So there was these two, there's Kyle was a jock, but Kyle was also, there was this other side too. Mm. And she caught me and I dove, by, rugby dove behind the lounge, you know, dressed up in high heels and, you know, dressing this and that. But when I was, when I could actually see myself as a female, it made me very happy, if that makes mm. sense. So about 12, 13, 14. Wow. And then I had the male puberty. So then I started, you know, um, bulking up, bulking up yeah. you know, um, and all that sort of stuff. And I thought, well, who's going to take me, you know, I started growing the facial hair, the hair on the chest. And so I thought, who's going to take me seriously as a girl? Anyway, I mean, look at me, you know. So mm. I think that I sort of really wanted to do it before the puberty hit, if that makes sense. And I couldn't do that. So, um, and then I started losing my hair on my head, which has come back uh, through the hormones and everything, which is fantastic. <laughs> so I'm not going to be a baldy. So I was heading that way. I, I was pretty much bald at one stage almost. So it's just amazing, you know. And um, so, boys, if you want to be, you know, you want your hair, just become a girl. <laughs> Take note. <laughs> Caroline's learnt. <laughs> but you lose your, you lose your, you know, your muscles and your. And you, you know, your, your your body hair and all that. So, um, yeah. So that that's basically um, what it was like for myself and my generation. Like I've interviewed because I was podcast, the trans podcast, and yep. interviewed Captain Bridget Clinch. and said, "Oh no, you didn't talk about that out loud." And Kirsty Miller, who I do some with with her, you know, um, her father held up an address when she was two or something, and you know, made fun of, or a little bit older, maybe four or five, and made fun of her and wow. that sort of stuff. So we all sort of feel the same way. My generation. I was going to say, can you ex- explain just some of the procedures that you you went through, or your your first from your last, or what was the most challenging? As in um, body features, like changing and transitioning okay over. yeah I'd built my body up so I really um I over masculinized myself like I went to boarding school Joey's um great rugby nursery one of my mates said to me from school we thought you'd be the last one you know so I was a really good actor and um you know I could really play the boy good and sometimes uh, that's the way right the, <laughs> oh the absolutely very on the outside are usually crying inside Absolutely. Well, yeah, yeah the, um, you know, today's truck driver is tomorrow's woman, you yeah. know, and, or, you know, or footballer or whatever you want to put in there. But I, um, 
Yeah, so I sort of over-masculinised myself, built myself up. So what I did is I went and saw my endocrinologist, um, Professor Steinbeck. He's no longer with us, unfortunately. Um, but God bless him, he said to me, you know, he, he brought out his little... He had these different sized... Um, they were like little test, like testes, and yeah. you know... And he put him against mine and he goes, well, you've got the biggest, so, you know, <laughs> you're not going to make it as a woman, you know. And I was, I was pretty, I had a lot of testosterone through my body, so I was pretty masculine. He, goes, he looked at me and, you know, I went in as a boy, like dressed as a boy and all that. And he goes, no, I don't think you'll be any good. And so I'm just sunk and I'm just thinking, oh, that's what I thought. But I had been dressing up at that time of, you know, I'd lost the hair, but I was putting the wig on and this and that. And I said, well, you know, I do look pretty good as a girl, so... So anyway, he put me on the hormones, which is lovely. And um, and the next time I saw him about six months later, I was dressed up. And I thought, oh, you look actually a lot better than you. I thought you would. You know, and Dad's a, Dad was a jockey and Mum was a model. So maybe I was a little bit lucky that I could look feminine. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, so I um, the, from there it got easier. But, I mean, I was living out near Camden. We had turf farms. And um, so I played Group 6 out there for Oakdale um, semi-professionally. So, um, and I'd been the the manager at the gym out there because I was a fitness instructor to aerobics and group fitness and all that. And um, so people knew me. I was like a little, little bit of a little mini celebrity out there. And so people didn't miss me sometimes, you know, and it was like, oh, there's that weirdo. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah hey, interesting. As long as you're happy at the end of the day, did it, you, you then talk about you, you did get the, um, the gender confirmation surgery. You had to go to Canada to get that. That's Is that right? right? Yeah. Right. And so yep. was it a case of do or die for you? If you didn't get this done... I, I think so. I think it was a case of um, do or die because I, I remember as I, um, I had the 22 Beretta. You know, we lived on Turf Farm and mm. back then you could have guns. It was before the buyback thing and, you know, and we used to shoot targets and all that sort of stuff. And so I was sort of sitting there one day. I was lived in one of the houses on the property. It was family property. And um, I was like, oh, you know, I could top myself, you know, and it was – it sort of got to that journey. I'd, I had been married. I'd had – girlfriends, I had boyfriends, you know, I'd sort of, maybe I can be gay, maybe I can be this, maybe I can be that. But I think at the end of the day, it got to the point where I just sort of said, you know, I'm, I've am i got to do this, otherwise I'm going to kill myself. So I put the gun away. And so it was that drastic. I think if I had a stayed, um, if I had a stayed as male, I wouldn't be here today. So that's that's how drastic it got. And it was like, I tried to fight it, you know, I, I mean, I was blokiest of blokes, you know, like, yeah. and all my mates were and, you know, and I was probably homophobic and transphobic myself, not not inwardly, but outwardly because I was worried about what other people thought, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah. yeah, so, uh, you know, and just getting back to what you asked me, yeah, there were challenges about, sorry, I did probably gloss Go over that it. a bit, Alicia, but... um. I suppose I was built because I'd built myself mm, up in yep. the gym and playing football and this and that, which I have to be, you know. So I think, and you've seen the, the photos of me, yeah. Yeah. I was pretty built. So I think getting back to that, it took a, took a while for that to sort of, but it, it did, did happen reasonably quickly, um, but I still wouldn't wear around, um, you know, a shirt like a, a singlet or something for a long time because, I, you know, I still had the, the really gun muscles in the arms <laughs> and biceps and things like that. So it took a while for me to get the confidence that I'd always wear a jacket or whatever. So, so then yeah. you started feeling pretty happy when you were like, I'm a, I'm a woman now. There must have been relief yeah. straight away, right? Like, yeah, well, yeah, and the surgery was great. Uh, going back to what um, Katie said and, you know, um, Canada, that was just like um, wonderful. It's like, oh, I've finally done it, yeah. you know, and it was just like relief. I'm actually a woman now and, you know, um, you know, I can just be, 
you know, and it, it's, it was such a wonderful feeling. Does what that make sense? Well, yeah. What about getting back into competitive sport and, you know, obviously in your area as well, a lot of people would have known you as, as Kyle as well. Like, how was that for you? Um, yeah, well, what I did is I actually came back through Gay Games. So I had the Gay Games here in Sydney in 2002. And um, I know the Gender Centre um, put something in Polaris to get Polaris. I still read it from time to time. I put articles in there. That's how I became a journalist, I suppose. Um, and so I, you know decided to compete and they said, yeah, all you need to do is take your ID and this and that, you've had your surgery, you know, and um, went along, did that, and um, so I competed as a sprinter and that was my first getting back into sports. So I wanted to test something that wasn't mainstream, if that makes sense, because I thought, well, this isn't going to be... But then I was worried about the women I was competing against. I didn't know what them to name I was trans because I thought they might have a problem with me, but they were they were all really nice. I mean, I don't know... I, never, I didn't publicise it, but then the gay guys, I told them all because it's just party time <laughs> so, and I started talking like a gay man you know like like hi how are you you know <laughs> I love that you can talk about it so yeah. openly yeah I mean they were great guys I had a ball I had the best time you yeah. know like um and just it was just such a you know got a lot of medals so that was fun yeah you know? well you did let's let's get on to that because you've got such a uh, brilliant accomplishment list in sport when you were a male but also when you've become Caroline um, from indoor masters national championships plenty in rugby cricket you're fitting in as well but rugby league let's talk about rugby league uh, and maybe just a positive experience and a negative experience from your time through that Um, I came to rugby league because um, I just saw that I wasn't going to get picked to where I wanted to go with the union and I was still playing Union, but I came across and um, the, so the first year I went to Forestville and I came, some of my rugby mates that had been at Warringah were, um, and I think Nicole Backhouse, who's a good mate of mine, we, we, we debuted for New South Wales together in 07. They set up the team for her because she'd played from under under 8s through to 12s and, or 14, oh, 12s, yeah. I think it's 12s. And then she had to stop playing. So with Nick, we can't, we, you know, that all happened. And then um, the Warringah girls, Ratsford girls were playing. Some of us from Sydney Uni rugby came across and we formed a team. And, yeah, we were bloody good at, from the start because we're, <laughs> we're all rep players, you yeah. know. So, um, so that's how it started. And then um, they'd be, the comp had been running for a, a year or so, I think. And uh, so that all came together. Um, Melvaro was at Melvaro was our coach. And, um, yeah, it was just a great time. You know, we, we probably didn't even train together most of the time because we were sort of... The rugby stuff was still going on, but we'd, we'd train on a Tuesday night when we'd get there, yeah. and uh, it was just naturally talented team. And then from there, for me, um, I made the the uh, Sydney Metro team. We went up to nationals, had a really good tournament there. We made the final. I think um, combined Brisbane, who are now South East Queensland, beat yeah. us twelve six. Um, bloody Queensland, <laughs> <laughs> and that was at Wynnum Manly and um, the club there. And then we um, from there, I got picked for. Um, New South Wales, and that was fantastic. Lee Addison rang me and said, yeah, you're in the team and this and that. I actually got stood down from the city-country game because the city coach said, I'm going to try some other players. Who are, the two that, who are some of the players that had already... So I sort of was already... Um, the New South Wales coach said, I've, I've already picked Lisa Fiala and Caroline Late. They're going to be in my team. We were the centres. Yeah. So um, that was pretty cool. But then I wanted to play in that game, but then again, it was bloody freezing. It was like minus three or something. So it's like, oh, well, at least I get to... Probably a good thing yeah. that you did sit out. So th- that was probably a highlight. And in rugby league, um, so the reason why you came over to rugby league was because you did tell a coach in rugby that mm. you were transgender and then he shunned you from any further selections. 
Um, well, I was getting picked for the Sydney team. Mm. So, but what happened is he was mates with all the, he was mates with the Australian coaches and this and that. So it went pretty viral, um, yeah. even before we had viral as far as online or anything. <laughs> yeah. So it went pretty viral pretty quickly, and um, they just I was just ignored. So and yeah. I was people would would told me um, the year before because I got nominated for the Sydney Morning Herald Award and all that that I'd probably be in the Wallaroos team. Um, I did have a back injury, so my form did dip a bit, but I still felt I was good enough to, to still make a squad of 118, bearing in mind I'd been in um, top six in New South Wales the year before, and yeah. New South Wales is the premier state in rugby, and still is. Yeah. So, you know, we won nationals and this and that, so are we beat Queensland? Yes, yippee. And <laughs> <laughs> we always beat them in rugby, but they beat us in league. Well, you'd beat us in league. <laughs> so... Um, but yeah, so uh, and my coach, Sydney coach, said, "Look, the way you've performed over going through to back through to 2007, Michael Kalanick said, you know, I think you, the way you've performed the last 12 months, you should be in the Australian squad." So he tried to go into bat for me, mm. but I said, "Look, I don't want to play for those guys that were coaching the um, Wallaroos. I don't really have anything in common with them." So I said, "I've made the New South Wales team. I'm going to pursue that avenue." Yeah, so, good on yeah. you. So which is great. And then probably a, a negative experience was. Just a, uh, a bit of the chat that went on behind the scenes, was it? Or what was the, a negative? Because you said mostly in rugby league, everyone was genuinely pretty good with you. Yeah, I think, um, like, the ferrets were always really welcoming to me. Um, you know, it was always, always really um, looked after me while I was playing there. Always had a killer feed afterwards. You know, we'd throw the beer cans at the ceiling after <laughs> singing the team song. And, Love it. You know, and we'd have the... Um, the cruisers, they'd give us the cruisers, and if you got the one, two, or three, geez, they were cold, they were really hard to scale. I'd rather have a beer any day. Um, so, you know, full but strength. The, but the, yeah, full strength. <laughs> but the social, look, the social was great, and the girls were great. Um, there were never really any issues there. Bearing in mind, two years earlier, I'd been beaten up playing rugby union. So, I think a lot of people were very protective about me if they. Because people liked me. I mean, um, I know I can be a pain in the ass sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Can't we all? Alicia, exactly. look at Alicia. Hey, hey, I'm staying silent over here. I'm just <laughs> You've been quiet, Alicia. I've been quiet for a reason. <laughs> yeah, so um, look, I mean, um, they were they were really good times. And 2007 and 2008 are just two of the best sporting years of my life. Then I went up and played rugby up at... Um, Carlton Merriweather, Beck Young tackled me into the um, after the grand final. We lost on we, they scored a try in the last couple of minutes, stripped one of our props, bloody forwards. And um, <laughs> and anyway, so um, Beck Young's tackled me into the chair. We broke it, so we got banned from that afterwards. So <laughs> thanks, Beck. So um, it's got you know I love her, but um, yeah. she's a good mate. So anyway, so we've all seen AFL challenged by Hannah Mouncey, um back in. 2017, she sort of really tried to get into that AFLW draft. They declined. They came back with a policy. We know uh, that she is a transgender woman who has made that transition across. She met all the deadlines, but then um, all the policy changes, but then pulled out from going in the AFL draft this year. She said that mentally and physically there are more important things in her life because it's just taken too much of a toll on her. Do you think she should have just been allowed to play in the AFLW? Um, I can't see why not. Like, I think um, she might have been big and tall, but she wouldn't have been the fastest player on the field. Um, size isn't always everything that matters, um, if that makes sense. Uh, she's got a good boot. Um, she kicks a lot of goals, I think, in the VFLW. Yeah. 
But um, I, I, a lot of people are like, well, we're scared because she might cause an injury. So from what I understand, I think she got injured a few times. Um, yeah. And even going back to my own sporting, I never really injured anyone playing sport, you know, like or, or um, playing women's rugby anyway. So I, I don't think sh- that's an issue to stop one someone from playing because you're worried about other people's safety. Um, and bearing in mind she was on the hormone, so her body would have softened mm. um, over that period of time. I think now she's probably three or four years um, she's been into her transition. Um, probably the thing that probably went against her is she is so big, as we discussed earlier, and um, and I suppose it took me a long time to... It takes a fair while for the hormones to work for you to feminise, so yeah. it, she's probably still a work in progress, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I think people's... Unfortunately, people's... Um, I don't want to say prejudices, but people... Um, what they've been taught and what they believe, you know, that, you know, um, I think they still see her as a male and that's what's made it hard for her, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense because uh, I think people from a non-transgender background are saying no, like a majority Mm. saying no, they can't play. But for you, you've been through it. You Mm. know exactly what happens to your body. Mm. You are no longer a male. Yes. You should be accepted to play in the female game. But Absolutely. you like you need to have a proper case, and with Hannah, you're suggesting that maybe she does need just a little bit more time that could have gone against her. I think that hormone thing's really interesting. I didn't even know that. Like yeah. that, mm. you know, it could take three years for her body to to, to tra- transition. What hormone wise? Like that's. Mm. I think if people knew that a lot more, it might be soften the blow, so to speak, to a lot, a lot of those out there that don't. Yeah, it takes a while, I think. But I think the thing is with Hannah, it is a one-year period and it's, it was 10 minimals. Now they've brought it down to five. But there's a lot of female players and because of the training they're doing, their minimals go up to about 12 or 13 because they're doing, you know, so much training and this and that. A lot of these women actually don't get their period and can't have children while they're having their careers. Mm-hmm. So they have their children afterwards and things like that. And that's not really brought into... So what they've done is they've brought in because males sort of finish, they sort of tail off around about eight animals. Okay. You know? So they've done it sort of like the lowest level of the, level of the males, you know. And the same with Castor, you know, like they're going about Castor Semenya. But um, you could sort of argue the same thing with Usain Bolt. But the thing is with Usain, I mean, you've got no one to measure him against. Yeah. So because there's no one higher than males, I mean, what do we measure him against? Cheaters or, you know? Like. So then, a pe- yeah, and then are people suggesting, oh, you know, Hannah's level, Castor Semenya, her levels can't be right. She can't be as good mm. or have as high levels as a male. That's just unfair because you have this perception that men are always stronger, the, bigger, yeah. faster. Exactly. And you're right, you hit the nail on the head. Usain Bolt, there's no one to measure him with because there's no female who's above him or exactly. a superior sex that has levels above Usain Bolt. Yeah, we need some aliens to come along to um, yeah. to <laughs> You know, the big cats, the cheetahs, they run 70, 80 miles at kilometres per hour. But, you know, we'll look like... into that. <laughs> what, what about the NRLW, like second mm. season coming up? If somebody came tomorrow and said to the NRL, I'm a transgender... Um, person I'd, I'd like to play what do you I mean I've spoken to the NRL they said they're they've, they're putting a policy in place they're working with stakeholders etc um, what do you what do you think about about that can it, uh, can it play not so much get away with it but can they play I'd like to think so I mean it's a case-by-case case basis I mean you know if you've got someone turns around and says well um, I want to transition today pick me tomorrow mm. no I think there needs to be some hormone intervention and things like that. But um, I think 
it's case by case basis. So if someone's gone through the, had the hormone therapy and this and that, and under the IOC and um, IAAF, I think it is, um, you don't need to have surgery now because surgery is quite cost prohibitive for a lot of people. Would have. Yeah. And it cost me 15 grand. I was going to say, how much did it cost wow. you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a car, yeah. you know. And then you've got your electrolysis to get rid of all the bloody facial hair because the hormones doesn't get rid of that. Excuse my wow. language. Um, okay. We so swear all the time on here. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. These are things I'm learning. It. See, this, this is interesting. Yeah. That's, that's more expensive than, you know, getting fake breasts. It's yeah, a, and I didn't get the fake breasts, and I'm glad I didn't because they would have got smashed playing on <laughs> Women's Rugby yes. League. And you, I did think about it, but the Aussie dollar dipped at the time. My flatmate, because she was trans, she had them done the year before. Yeah. And um, I did, but the dollar dipped when I went. It was like 60 cents in the dollar. I was like, damn, I can't get my... my, my That's notes. all right. But they've grown anyway over the last, you know, so many years. So, I mean, I was flat-chested when I went across, but I'm still flat-chested, but not as much. Oh, that's okay. You joined the club. <laughs> look, yeah. Yeah. You can't see on this podcast, but have a look at us. Yeah. <laughs> no one can see us. Well, that's we're getting fine. carried away. I got a head for radio, so. Oh, but um, so what, what were we talking about? Well, let's ask. Let's put the question to you. Do you think that you would play in the NRLW today? Do you think they would let you? Um, I'd like to think so. Um, at fifty-three, I don't think so. But um, ten years ago, um, or when I was playing for New South Wales, um, it wasn't as big a talent pool, but. Um, I still think I was probably good enough that I could have made it. Yeah. Um, for, especially considering there's four teams now. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think I could be picked. I don't know. I think I'd have to hide it still. I mm. hate to say it. But then if there's a coach out there that has the guts to sort of say, well, I want to pick this person or this, this trans woman, she's a really good player, um, then I think um, it's up to individuals with those sort of attitudes that, Maybe that would happen, but then you have to have the policies in place, obviously. Mm. Yeah. So, Which I think we're in, like, an inclusive sport. Like, I can't mm. see why they couldn't put a policy in place that would support it. I think it's a the NRL supporting same-sex marriage and um, LGBTI. Um, yeah. Why not? Yeah. yeah. And it, you're here talking to me. Yeah. <laughs> well. And it's difficult too because every every athlete's different. Yeah. You know, it might have taken you so many years. might take somebody else six months. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. Before we let you go... A message for people who are not in that transgender community. Do you have something to say to people just to try and help them understand where you're coming yeah. from? Well, I think um, a lot of people, they want to, um, I suppose they want to fit in. So, you know, if they hear something, they just go, oh, I, you know, like they don't want to go against what their friends say and things like that. So they sort of um, push, you know, oh, yeah, and we have a laugh about it and this and that. If people just sort of do a little bit of research maybe and and um, have a look at it from a little bit of a scientific viewpoint, they'll sort of understand that it's not everything that it seems. Mm. So um, it's a lot more complex and intricate mm. than what people think. So that's probably what I think if people could do some research into it and maybe it might change their beliefs about us. Because we're just normal people, you know. We're not um, – the garbage has got to go out. The dog's got to be fed, you know. Um, we still have a shower like everyone else. Um, we still stink, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, when they create know. a human who doesn't smell, I'll transition into that. <laughs> yeah, me too, you know. like, but. Uh, <laughs> so. uh, good on you. Uh, good yeah. on you. Ask questions. Don't sit yes. on the sidelines. Yeah, that's it. Ask questions. So, um, yeah, thanks for equating that to that. So I'm um, after my long spiel. No, and, um, it, it, it's do great. Some, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I learned so much just. Yeah, to, thanks, Alicia. Yeah. Thank you. And um, yeah, me thanks, too. Katie. I, I did have to Google the gender confirmation surgery. I think you said GCS, and yeah. I was like, GCS, what's that? Mm. But I, yeah, it's just about doing some research, yeah. learning about that transgender community, because you're right, 
crazy enough, they're humans too. Yeah, We're all exactly. humans. And, and we <laughs> got feelings too and we do get hurt and we do get upset. And I mean, and look, um, we don't have a mortgage on human suffering. Everyone has, <laughs> has you know, problems in their life and this and that. But um, sometimes if you're a – you see this stuff online and you see this stuff in, in the media and um, and even the media – you know, could do so with, with some training. So if you want to come to me, you know, I'm a journalist now. So Yeah, yeah. And, and if uh, you do want to read your yeah. story like or tweet, yeah. um, you've got Twitter, you're an avid tweeter, Caroline Late, yep. L-A-Y-T, Caroline, right. just mm. the usual spelling, yep. and your blog, um, KZO.blog. That's it. So if you just type in that into Google, you can sort of follow your footsteps and, yeah, yeah for sure, learn. You. I feel like we've learnt heaps and if I ever say anything that's uh, – not respectful. Make sure you pick me up on it because we're never, all learning. You never offend me, Katie. And, you know, <laughs> she Alicia, offends Alicia. me. Does she? <laughs> all the time. Well, I love, I love Katie because the first time I met her, <laughs> she called herself um, the Bogan from Coffs Harbour. And, and, and that, that, near um, Coffs Harbour. Near Coffs Harbour, was yeah. it? Because well, you town? didn't know where Grafton was. Oh, I said, oh, it's near Coffs Harbour. Yeah, and that just brought the – that was at the uh, Twitter – the women's game thing that I used to write for. Yeah, and, um, that was the icebreaker, wasn't it? It was, was it was. Yeah. You know, she had me at, you know, from the Bogan <laughs> from near Crofton. So Bogan we became good together. mates after that, didn't we? we do, and I'm a Bogan too, so um, just a trans one. <laughs> well, Alicia's the Westie Bogan. Yeah. So, well, yeah. I'm a Westie Bogan yeah, too, yeah. so well, high five. Hey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we should change the name of this uh, podcast, not the broader game. It's just the Bogan podcast. The Bogan. Yeah. The broader Bogans. The broader there we go. Bogan. I like that. Some alliteration. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank that you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having fantastic. me. Yeah, thank, thank, you. Yeah. thank you very much. Um. All right, listeners, I've got some great news to share. Picture this. 12 nations descending on Western Sydney as the stars of the international game compete over two days at the new Bankwest Stadium for the first ever Downer Rugby League World Cup Nines title. Oh, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Don't miss your first chance to secure the best seats packaged with experiences to get you closer to the action. Find out more at nrl.com forward slash travel. All right, Katie, this week on on this day, I've got a cracker for you. You ready for it? Yeah, mate. Let it rip. All right, 2014. Origin series on the line from memory. So Desi Hasler was Bulldogs coach and he had something to say regarding the origin scheduling after at least five of his players were forced to back up. Really? That was 2014, this day. Mm. So obviously we've seen a lot happen since then. We've seen Rep Round go standalone. Um, and then we've we've had a lot of conjecture over the last couple of weeks about um, how the quality of the games, mm. you know, with players out and depleted. So what, what are your thoughts around that and... Um, what, what can we do, I suppose, to improve the quality? Well, I wish Des Hasler's voice was heard because I agree. I think the origin needs to be by itself. State of origin should just be each Saturday for three weeks. Ooh. Yeah, go on. Uh, no, players are paid Bitcoin. They're getting 30K <laughs> a game for this. I reckon they can back up. And if they can't, then there's plenty of other people who would like to represent their state. Then you can have your international rounds or your rep round in between and your women's origin, just keep that all rep footy in three weeks. Then your clubs who have got lingering injuries at this time with other players can rest up. They can go to the country. They can do some clinics. They can sell the game to grassroots rugby league. I just think there's too much football. We've seen so many injuries and we always will see injuries. It's part of the game. It's contact sport. But if we can prevent it and... There's more to it, broadcast deals. I mean, mm. I don't think they, they'd want to do that, but 
it needs to come into consideration and I think the NRL needs to take it really seriously in that next broadcast deal. Well, Melbourne Storm prop um, Cameron, uh, Christian Welsh, sorry, come out and said that he actually likes it because if you think about it, a lot of the top teams lose their top-line players, which means that the bottom teams beat beat them full strength and it actually brings the competition ladder closer together, which is what the NRL want, obviously, leading into the second half of the season, right? So he... Melbourne obviously have a lot of players that that are missing through that period, so he understands it from that perspective in that if you did it some way different, we could have a very... Um, a, a top eight that's already decided with ten rounds left. Ah, oh, that's a fair point. It, I, th- I think it's really that's, logical. Oh, from okay, him. that is. He's intelligent though. He is an intelligent guy. But he's out so intelligent you look at that perspective, me. and then you also look at other perspectives. I think well, we we say this every year. You just got to grin and bear it. Coaches have got to grin and bear it. It's not going to change under the new deal. We can't have NRL for three weeks, I wouldn't know what to do with myself. You would know exactly. There would be so much on. Come on, we are running mad as journalists trying to cover everything at the moment. Imagine what players and clubs and teams, like they have to separate their staff as well. Three weeks is flies by. Oh, that's, a, that's a debate for another day. Yeah, I was going to say we agree to disagree. Yep. All right, fanfare. Question time. Who have we got? Question one, D Smith 88. What do you think of Marty DePau electing to play for Samoa this weekend? Alicia? Great move. I think it, it smells to me like Marty has done Smells this. to me? <laughs> I love it. Changing it up. It, it, it feels like he's done this as like a – remember Tal Malolo come out and did it yep. out of the blue and it's just – it's gone nuts. I feel like this is a very uh, monumental time. Samoa need him. They're really struggling in the international arena at the moment. So, mm. um, yeah, it's it, he he could do it, and now other players hopefully can follow. You know, Roger Tuivasa-Shek's got a Samoan background. Imagine if he followed Sue. It's mm. not like um, the Kiwis that they've got another, um, plenty of other fullbacks like Dallin. You know, is their yeah. captain. So, um, yeah, I think it's great, and hopefully it does follow on. Well, I agree with you too. Wow. I think he's seen that opportunity and he's thought about it and his Instagram post was beautiful. He, he wants to play for his heritage. People are so proud to play for their heritage. Uh, it's instilled in them. Well, apparently he went back to Samoa last year for the first time in like 15 years. So obviously that's that's a bit of a seed that's been yeah. planted and he enjoyed it that much that now he wants to play for them again. Love it. Question two, Vanessa Craig. Will Queensland ever host a women's state of origin? Hopefully. They will. Have they have anything? played They've... up there before. It did used to go from one to the other. And then when they, oh, was it a few years ago? I think they changed it to then at North Sydney Oval. They've had it on a two-year deal there. So who knows what will happen next year. Yeah, I think I think this year they want to be a little bit more. They were so happy with the result last year at North Sydney Oval, the crowd, how good it looked on TV. But I think next year's the year for change for the women's game, like with expansion and um, and origin. I think Queensland um, have they've got plenty of grounds up there. Like that's that's the thing, right? The yeah. um, they've got plenty of Redcliffe. I think they had it last. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's only a matter of time. Yeah. No, I like that, and I do think. Although this year I would prefer to have seen the women over in Perth. Uh, people will say, oh, you know, when the women want to have their own game. That's fine. That's fine. But I also would like to see. 30,000 people watch you rather than 6,000. So I would have liked to have gone to Perth as well. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now the women's game is so selfish because I can't be there. Like oh, it should yeah. be about Alicia and Katie. It shouldn't be about anybody else. 
gosh. Anyway, there you go, Vanessa. Got me on my high horse. If you do have a question for us, make sure you at us on Twitter, anutes91, or myself at Katie Brown Oz. We also have our Instagram page at The Broader Game. So hashtag all abroad. Give we'll answer follow. everything. Yeah, give us oh, like for like, follow yeah. for follow. F for F. <laughs> okay, let's go to Guess Who. I don't like this week. I'm actually, I'm I'm quietly confident. Like, I'm hopeful, very hopeful. Oh, I haven't haven't listened to anything this week either. You've just got off a plane. I'm very, very confident in this. Okay. Play me the audio. Uh, I called Dad the other day. He he, he was at home with Mum. They were having dinner. Yeah. He was a bit emotional. And then he told Mum. And then, yeah. I was going to bring them over, but they don't have any passports, so maybe next time. Yeah, I was going to bring them over. I tell them last year to do the passport, and they didn't even want to listen to me. So I didn't, because I didn't know it, it was going to come this quick for my debut. How long does it want to go for? Give her enough chances that, to actually have a thing. Is that Mike Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> yes. How? Yes. Oh my gosh! I am really good at this guess who game. Hey, you could have said like kick oh. out. You know, you could have said. It doesn't Rubble sound off. like kick out. Oh, oh, that's so. I was good. so confident. Putting Sucked in. Out. Sucked oh. in, Alicia. If you could see us in the podcast room right now. How long does Nikki? How um, long do you want to give her? Like thirty seconds to have a think of the voice. Seriously. Anyway. Uh, it is what it is. It is what. Thanks. Thanks, boss. So that's, I think I'm on three and you're on 0.5. I'm on 1.5. 1.5, hey? I no. It, I got it last week. Oh, okay, fine. 1.5, I'm on three. Great. Let's wrap things up. Our hot yeah. take of the week. What's your hot take of the week? My hot take of the week is New South Wales to do the double in the women and the men this weekend. Shut the gate. Uh, yeah, I don't even want to go through scores. It's just going to happen. It has to happen. Okay. That's weird because I'll actually agree with you on the hot take. I wasn't going to do a double, but I do think the Blues are going to win in Perth. I've said that from the get-go in the men's. But in the women's, I think the women, the Blues win 34-12. For the men? For the women. You just said... So the men are going to win in Perth, not putting a score on it, but the women win 34-12. The Queensland women? No. (laughs) The New South Wales women win 34-12. Are you trying to mess with my head? Did you not? Did you just? I just said you do the double. You said no. No. Anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll do the double. All right. What about the Tonga game? Give us something. Tonga, New Zealand, over there. In New I'm Zealand. just a bit worried. Tonga don't have a great halves combination. They've just got a whole bunch of incredible forwards and um, some pretty good outside backs. I'm just a bit concerned. But I'll go with Tonga anyway because I love Mate Matonga. <laughs> <laughs> so you, good. Who do you tip? I'm going to go the Tongan side as well. Although I think the Kiwis have named a mad mad side. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I expect them to bounce back huge from the past <sighs> year's tour. I'm tipping with my heart, not my head. Okay. That's it. Gosh. Go off to Perth. For everybody listening, thank you. That was an episode and a half, but Caroline Late, incredible. I'm so grateful that she came in, felt so open to talk about her story and the transgender community. Yeah, I hope all our listeners got something out of that. I know I did, as I said. Um, she taught me a couple of things in, in that that magnificent chat. Yeah. Unreal. I feel like she had so much more to give to. Like, it's yeah. a shame we can't sit here for an 
another two hours chatting to her. <sighs> Next time. Mm. There'll be another episode, no doubt. Thank you for tuning into the Broader Game podcast. Make sure you like for like, follow for follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Can you go to Perth already? Just go. (laughs) I've had enough. (laughs) Bye.